if I'm the protagonist of my own story, at some point, if that's laid before me, I need to decide how I'm going to keep walking out my journey. Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. This month on the Find Your Voice podcast, I have a special treat for you. Along with my team here at Find Your Voice, I've put together a special series that's all about the power of a writing process to create positive change in your personal life. So we're covering topics like why writing can be so challenging for so many of us, what's happening in your brain when you sit down and you try to write, why writing is so therapeutic, what it costs us when some voices are silenced, and what a regular practice of writing might look like for you in your real life. We're going to meet guests like Deborah Ross, who's a therapist and an author of a book called Your Brain on Ink, a workbook on neuroplasticity and the journal ladder. We'll talk with Audrey Assad, who is a singer-songwriter, also a friend of mine. We'll talk with Elise Snipes, who's a therapist, and the infamous Science Mike, and my new friend Rafiq, who is a public health researcher. And we'll end with my friend Ruthie Lindsay, who's going to put all the pieces together for us when she talks about how she used a process of writing specifically to cure her own chronic pain. I'm so excited for you to hear that episode and her story. If you've ever had the impulse to write anything, even something as simple as a scratched note on a cocktail napkin, you're not going to want to miss this series that pairs beautifully with my new book, The Power of Writing It Down, a simple daily habit to unlock your brain and reimagine your life. I hope these episodes make you feel like the writer you already are. On last week's episode of this special podcast series called The Power of Writing It Down, we talked about how writing can be a form of therapy. And today I want to pick up right where we left off and talk about how we can let go of an old story in our lives and start to live a new story through the power of writing. This week you'll hear again from therapist Elise Snipes and also from singer-songwriter Audrey Assad. And you'll get a sense of how writing about your own personal story might help you to reframe it and begin to feel like the hero of your own life. So rather than just things happening to you with no meaning or purpose, you'll suddenly be a part of contributing to and creating this meaning and purpose. If you've ever wondered if you could use writing to help yourself heal, grow, evolve, and change, get ready. This episode is for you. Writing helps us heal by giving us a tool to reframe our own stories. But it's not just science that tells us to write about our own lives. That's why I've brought in my friend and singer-songwriter, Audrey Assad. Yeah, my name is Audrey Assad. I am a singer-songwriter, producer, and new author. I'm working on a book. And I'm a mom. And those are the things I do. We jump in here to a conversation about art as therapy. I always say about writing that writing is the reason writing is for everyone is because it's 
communication, it's spirituality, it's therapy, mm-hmm. it's it's prayer, it's meditation, it's mm-hmm. so many things. Can you talk about for you the connection that you feel between writing, whether it's music or prose or poetry, and spirituality and therapy mm-hmm. and healing, yeah. inner healing? Oh, absolutely. Processing pain or joy or any kind of human emotion or experience is a is just that it's a it's a process and there are like tiers and layers to let's say metabolizing a certain event or relationship Mm -hmm. or a loss or a revelation and for me there's talk therapy there's movement Mm -hmm. and there is music (laughs) and there is relationship those are sort of like the four (laughs) pillars of my healing and movement could be anything from dancing to having a massage, just like body sort of listening to the body. Yes. And then there's talking with a therapist to sort of psychoanalyze the yeah. issues. And then there's relationship where you're sort of incarnating the lessons. But music is the mm. mystical piece to me that, or writing, like sort of expressing through a sort of cathartic channeling. You're channeling your own story. Wow. Yeah. And potentially the story of, Again, like the collective, it's you're making yourself available to contextualize your story um, in the whole of human kind of history and awareness. And so that's why I think it's, for me, so powerful when I get to sit down and process my divorce or being a mother and the singing, the vibrating of my voice along with the thoughts is like bringing body and mind and spirit into one place And so I think there's just something to the embodiment of the realizations and the, the, the processing and the downloading that we do through like therapy and reading. I'm reading, I read books all the time about mental health, you know, it's really easy to get stuck in that ivory tower and kind of be like, I understand everything about my mental health problems. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Whilst still struggling with the same patterns over and over so for me embodiment is the thing it's like body work music taking the things i hear in my head and i understand intellectually putting them into vibration Mm -hmm. um so that's why i think it's so powerful it's because it takes the things we think and whether it is writing a book or writing a piece of music it sends the vibration out into the world and gives it like a life yes it's not just thoughts anymore it's a vibration and it's got a rippling effect in our own Mm -hmm. life and then beyond our life. And so it affects everything. Like when I sing a song, it affects the entire course of human history, just like a baby crying does. I love that so much. I just, so music for me is a powerful piece of catharsis because it, it puts my thoughts into vibration. You say something kind of like that about your new album, your latest album, which is called Eden. You say, there's a deep calm that I can hear in the lyrics. I can tell that I've grown deep and healed and opened up quite a lot. I try never to write a song I haven't lived in some way. So each of these songs is born of some experience in my life. And this reminded me of what I tell authors a lot, which is that when you're working on a book project, you can't expect to transmit something that you haven't experienced. So whatever the message is that you're telling, you live it first and the writing changes you first. And then however it changes you, that's what you're offering to your reader. Can you talk about your experience with that? 
like the building blocks of it are the things I've like labored in the rain, in the mud over emotionally. So like there's a song that I put out with a band that I'm in called the overstory and it's called perfect sense. It's the only song I've ever written about my marriage Hmm. and it's confessional. It's brutally honest so much so that it was the first time I'd ever put anything out where I was like, I'm trembling. (laughs) People are going to hear my shadow. Like I'm telling the actual truth about my shadow self here. And, um, I don't know. I just, if you don't live life and stay present to the feelings you're experiencing, to the pain, to the joy, to the, the kind of chaos and beauty of everything, it's hard to write compelling stuff. And most of the authors I love and musicians I love are people who know how to synthesize humanity into like vibration that, that rings in my body. Like I Mm. feel the truth and you just kind of know it when you feel it. And I think that's really just authenticity and presence. There's the Liberace's and there's a place for that. But like, you know the difference when you read a Mary Oliver poem. Yes. <laughs> sort of like, yeah. No offense, well, Liberace. I just like, you know what I'm saying? Yes. There's performance art and then there's like cathartic healing yes. art. And that seems to be born out of suffering. Yeah. You're transmuting your suffering into vibrations that heal. And I think that takes presence and authenticity. This seems like a perfect time to jump over to therapist Elise Snipes. We met her last week when she talked about the cognitive behavioral model. She touches on how writing is an exercise of letting go of an old story to tell a new one. And she leads me through a moment of reframing and insight here. I didn't even see it coming. Listen in. Elise, for you, what role does writing play? This is a two-sided question. I'm curious what role writing plays for you personally as a therapist and as a human. And then also I'm curious what role writing plays in your therapeutic practice as you Mm -hmm. work with clients. Mm -hmm. Love it. I, okay. So maybe it's the same answer. I, I use it as a mirror. So when, just like in therapy, people come in and part of what we need to do is get the story out. Right. So we, we tend to closet our experiences and like you described, believe that it's capital C circumstance that put those things there. Capital F fate. These are just things that have happened to me. And so then we just think, well, then I'll just have them in there. But through the process of writing, through the process of speaking, through the process of sharing, letting people see, we begin to realize that there's an invitation to responsibility. Hmm. That idea that we could possibly have influence or autonomy over circumstance, fate, the cards I've been dealt, the clothes in my closet, whatever it is, then there's this like moment where I feel like it's like the hero or the protagonist where it's like, will they step up to the plate? Will they decide to break up that relationship? And right. It's like that edge of your seat moment and writing is a vessel or a tool or a way to put it in front of you so that it's not just kind of stuck inside you on repeat because that's where the faulty rutted thinking is right yeah so getting it out then it's like oh i see it i didn't see it because it was in me and now that it's outside of me i have awareness which shows me that i can now take action yes 
That feels so important. It's getting the story out because yes. when it's inside of you, you're just too close to it and you can't see the role that you have played. Mm-hmm. I'll say too, from personal experience that getting the story out, uh, my resistance to getting the story out, I'm curious if you see mm-hmm. this in your clients too, is usually that there there's a bit of shame that comes along with seeing the story for the way that it is and seeing my role in it because or I guess the fear is like, did I do this to myself? So you're saying to me that I created this reality myself. <laughs> In order to accept that I have the power to reverse the reality, I have to also accept the the fact that I I, I was at least a participant in creating this reality that I'm experiencing. Does that? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Right. These are the hands I've cards I've been handed, so that I just play them again and again and again. But I was the one playing them. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't, wasn't my fault that I was received, that I received these, this hand. It's not my fault at all. It's no one's fault that that's, those yeah. are the cards they dealt. But am I going to continue sitting at that table? Or at some point am I going to say, fold? <laughs> yes. hand is like, yeah, no. And then we do, we get a chance for a redeal. And that's, but that means that you have to decide that you're the protagonist of your own story. You're the hero. So what is there something that you notice for clients that helps them to make that decision to become the protagonist of their own story? Of course. <laughs> so the, <laughs> the idea really is that, okay, in some regard, you can't tell a person something before they're ready to actually know it themselves. So it mm. doesn't matter if the therapist knows something about the client if the client doesn't know it for themselves, can't see it for themselves, can't believe it. So if if we can have enough connection, enough support, that I am willing to let go of the old story, the only re- way I'm going to do that is if I know that there's a new story that I can hold on to because we don't want to free fall. So if yeah. I think about it, like sometimes even in the context of my children, like their transitional object. Like if they're going to go from this developmental phase of, I need my bottle, I need my pacifier, I need my blankie. Well, what would allow them to feel ready enough to let go of what they have outgrown? Hmm. There has to be safety. There has to be connection. There has to be a belief enough in self and there has to be a tool. And it's, which it really actually, that very much mirrors the heroine's journey or the hero's journey is I yes. need to know that I, I got it and yes. there's enough support, right? I'm, I'm having such an aha moment right now because I think this is one of the reasons why writing our own personal narratives is so powerful mm-hmm. because we, because we're storytelling beings, we understand our whole world by telling ourselves stories. So in order to let go of an old story, we have to frame it differently and write down a new story. Mm-hmm. So if, in order to let go of the safety blanket of the story we've always told ourselves, the one that's getting us mm-hmm. that outcome that we hate and want to change, we have to create a new story. There's no such thing as just having no story or abolishing the old yep. story without creating a new one. So the only way for us to do that is to to have a way to get this story outside of ourselves and to reframe yes. it. And a therapist yes. can for sure help us do that. And also so can putting our story down on paper. Sometimes just doing that gives us enough of a perspective shift that we can see it in a different way. Yes. Yes. I, I, you're right. I think that that's the transition from what has happened to what could happen. What uh, the transition from what has happened to what could happen that, Mm -hmm. 
when I overlay that over my own experience with writing and over the, the um, work that I've done with so many writers over the years, that rings mm-hmm. really, really true. And it, it can, the, the distance between what has happened and what could happen feels like gargantuan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so what if we put that back through CBT, okay. right? So it feels gargantuan. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's a feeling. So in, let's look at a thought. Is it gargantuan? Could it be a moment of insight? Yeah. Could it be one word? I just start writing the story. Yes. And okay. So notice those of you who are listening, notice what Elise just did with me. She revealed to me that a thought I have that I didn't know I had was that getting from point A to point B has to be really hard. Mm -hmm. What if it's possible that it's not hard? What if it's possible that there's a lot of ease to it and that I can actually evolve and grow and was made to evolve and grow? And when I tell myself that story, I feel that right now, Elise, as we're talking, I feel it all over my body. I have chills. I'm like, wow, you just revealed to me a subconscious thought that has been driving my behavior, you know, Mm -hmm. for probably my whole life and I've not known it. And that's the power of this work of the CBT work is that when you can unearth a thought you didn't know you had and you can change it to serve you better, your, your brain actually just adjusts (laughs) and starts carving new neural pathways right away. That's right. That's right. It's okay. So I told you we're, we're moving, we're literally moving this week. And so the muscle memory of when you get up out of bed, you put your feet on the floor and you know where your bathroom is or Mm -hmm. where to go to the kitchen to get coffee. And as we're moving, we have to totally reorient where all those things are. And I, I'm like, oh, that's therapy. Oh, that's like what writing is like. Because I used to think it was like this, but now I know it's actually over here. Yeah. I love it. I love that. So, okay. So if we know that this therapy, this uh, mm-hmm. style of therapy and writing both are such powerful tools for change in our lives, what are the reasons that we resist these things? I'm assuming that they're some of the same. Totally. I, you know, I think in maybe if we even zoom out and expand that, it is it's the blank canvas. Um, mm. it's, it's public speaking. It's it's sex. It's intimacy. It's a new friendship. It's the way I fill in the blanks, and I I feel like it's almost like um like the red pill or the blue pill. Like, am I going to yeah. fill it in right with the old story? Or yeah. am I going to fill it in with this great unknown? What I don't know yet, but what I totally hope for myself. It's inconceivable, but I want it. Will I set yeah. that appointment, show up, take the class, start writing the story, face the thing and see what's what could happen here? I, I want to repeat a phrase that you just used because yeah. I think it's really important. The way I fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. I think this is why writing is so powerful. And you can tell me if you see this to be true in your practice, but I would imagine that people who fill in the blanks with things like life is really hard. I'm just not that good at stuff. People don't really like me. I, I really struggle. I have a hard time making friends. I, I have to really, as Brene would say, like Brene Brown hustle to earn my value or whatever. People who fill in the blanks with those sorts of statements are, are, are going to have a much darker, harder time in life than people who fill in the blanks with statements like, you know, most things I try, I'm pretty good at. And, (laughs) I'm a hard worker and I get things done. I, I try to find places in my life where there's ease and lean into the ease. You know, the things yeah. that you see kind of like the, the affirmations that we see always floating around, 
Instagram or Pinterest or wherever mm-hmm. else are when people really internalize those messages, those people tend to have an easier time in life. Is that, is that accurate? It is. And it's, that's painful yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> darn those easy people and they're, they're really glass half full thoughts and experiences. Um, so Okay, I had to confront this personally, and of course I see it in my practice, but on a personal note, when I in my marriage, my husband is a glass half full man, and that's been his life. It has been, you know, pretty easy, and <laughs> that's really nice, right? So my that is not my story and not my reality. And so when when I look at the hands I was dealt with, divorce and addiction in my parents and abuse in my parents. And it was like one thing after another, Mm -hmm. the story I began to tell myself is bad things happen to me. So that's true. And I think this is where people get the most stuck is they build all this evidence around what has happened. And then they don't want to give up the old story because it's true. And so I had to get to a point within myself where I said, Elise, that is true. And no one can take away your painful, traumatic childhood. No one's trying to do that. Yeah. But just because it was true doesn't mean it will always be true. And that that was, again, I have to, if I'm the protagonist of my own story, at some point, if that's laid before me, I need to decide how I'm going to keep walking out my journey. Yes. So good. That's really, really good. I resonate with that so much. I feel like what you're talking about with your husband and yourself and my husband is the same. He's very glass half full and has had, you know, he's just had a relatively easy time in life and he's very likable. He's easy to be around. He's super kind. People love him. And I just feel a little bit like my life has been a little bit more of a roller coaster. I've got like a little bit of a drama flair to me. And, you know, for most of my life, I would have said like, I'm a hard person to be around. People don't really love to be around me. I feel really differently now after years of work. But what you were talking about made me think of how I have a big trauma from my childhood that colored a lot of the way that I saw myself in the world. And I, I'll be really vulnerable for a second. I met with an astrologist, which first time in my life I ever met with an astrologist. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure that there are people out there who think like that's hocus pocus and whatever. The point of the story is I met with this astrologist and I was telling her, she was telling me details of my life and she asked me if something had happened to me when I was four or five or six years old. And I said, actually, something had happened to me. And she told me a bunch of different things about this. But one of the things she said was that she said, I want you to know that whoever you're blaming for what happened, whether it's yourself or your parents or whomever, don't blame them because the way the planets were aligned when this particular thing happened, nothing could have stopped it. The planets are just aligned in the in the right way or the wrong way or whatever. And this just yep. this bad thing just happened to you. And it's just part of your karmic agreement. It's, you know, you knew that this was going to happen to you when you came here and on and on. And my point being, there are probably people listening who think like that's total BS and that's fine. I guess what I'm getting at is that for me, believing the story that there's nothing I could have done that changed that could have changed this thing released me immediately from like, mm. you know, I've done so much work around this and grown a lot, but whatever remaining shame that I felt around this particular thing or whatever, like, you know, animosity that I had felt toward the people who were involved, it yeah. released me immediately. And all because I changed the story I was telling myself because the old story was, 
if only X, Y, Z, then I could have avoided this pain. And, you know, she just gave me a new story. And, and the thing I find so fascinating about this is that it doesn't even matter if the new story is true, like factually true, as in, you don't have to believe that Pluto and Saturn were aligned at a certain way at a certain time. All it matters is that I believe that nothing I did could have changed. Nothing anyone else did could have changed this act, this, you know, experience that I had and just believing that released me. Yes. Yes. And yes. So what the a piece on that, what she just gave you was it's a, de- that's a developmental like flying carpet. So at four, five, six, as we are developing in child development, the world revolves around us. So if something bad happens to us, it's because of us. Mm-hmm. There's no other way that we could understand our life. We are the sun and all the things revolve around us. So if it's bad, it's because I'm bad. We personalize traumatic events that occur during that part of our timeline. Wow. And then we get stuck there. That's what trauma does. So now- Forever, outside of time, I hold up the lens that it's because of me. It's because of me. And then I build all my evidence and stack it against myself. And all the rest of the bad things that happened after that are connected to that initial incident that showed me and revealed that my true nature is that something's actually bad in me and I deserve this. Mm. So it's the idea that maybe it wasn't you. Just maybe. That is enough potential, enough gap to say, what if it wasn't me? What if it wasn't my responsibility, my fault, because I did something bad, wrong, or otherwise? Wow. Exhale. Oh, at least I owe you money. You're, I'm in therapy right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's oh, bit- I'm tearing up. It's, so, it's yeah, I had never heard that before, that that's a developmental stage, but it, that really resonates mm-hmm. with my experience. So thank you for that. Yes, yeah. As you can see in that moment of reframe for myself, writing has the power to change us. Let's turn back to my conversation with Audrey one last time. We're talking here about this same subject, how rescripting or rewriting can heal us from the inside out. It reminds me of a writing exercise that I give when I teach workshops that I found out later. Bessel van der Kolk talks about this and calls it rescripting. I didn't know that it was a when I was giving this exercise, I didn't know that it was like a therapeutic tool. But basically, the idea is taking an old experience from your life and rescripting it. So writing it the way that you wish it would have happened. And a lot of times what it means, like, especially for me, when I use this in my own life is, even if all of the circumstances went the same way, what did I do differently that got me out of that relationship sooner? Or that, you know, gave me permission to say no, when I wished I could say no, or, whatever, you know, however it is that I wish I would have, like, you know, if I could take all of the healing that I've done now and use it in that setting, how would I have acted? And it's just a totally different. What's interesting is our brains don't know the difference, especially with trauma, because that part of your brain that catalogs the trauma does not understand time. Exactly. And so if you do the healing now, it still works. It's It's wild, but I've seen it and felt it and experienced that healing from the past now works. You think it won't, and then it miraculously does. And 
yes, there's lots of slogging and work in between these moments, but when you have that corrective emotional experience, it changes your chemistry. Like it changes your life. Totally. And there are many ways to get there. I mean, many ways. There's like trauma therapy modalities and there's what you're talking about, which I love. I love that, like the re-scripting, the the sitting down and writing the story in a way that's Mm -hmm. new, newly framed and seeing ourselves again or seeing our experience again, there's plant medicine and there's like all these different avenues that offer us the opportunity to like recarve our brain pathways very literally and it works. And I'm so So thankful it works And music and art give us that as well because like, have you ever, you know, I know you have, but like any of you listening, you'll know this experience when you're, you're suffering, you're in pain, let's say Mm -hmm. heartbroken, and there's a song that comes across your path for however it comes across your path. Yeah. Someone sends it to you or you find it or, and you hear it and it reverberates in your body and the tears start coming and you start yep. releasing the sorrow and it's like, it moves the energy and you're like, oh my gosh, only this lyric, only this sound would have actually hit me and intersected with me yes. in this way. And like you forever like are able to access that feeling yes. through the song. Through the song. And you'll listen to the song a thousand times. At least that's for me. There are times when it's like, I need the song so badly that even though it makes me sad, I will listen to it on repeat. Totally. I mean, I have those albums, those songs, like it's magical. And like, we are able to do so much healing. It's, it's pretty incredible. Writing helps us heal by reframing the story. And the good news is everyone can use this tool. Everyone is a writer. Come back next week for more on exactly that topic. If you're ready to implement a regular practice of writing in your own life, don't forget to pre-order our copy of my latest book, The Power of Writing It Down, a simple daily habit to unlock your brain and reimagine your life. When you pre-order today, you'll not only get an immediate download of chapter one so you can start reading right away, you'll also get access to our pre-order bonus package, which is worth over $400. All you have to do is order the book wherever books are sold, enter your order number at thepowerofwritingitdown.com, and your pre-order bonuses will be delivered directly to you. Thanks for listening, and until next time, happy writing.